Kane is in the building. <laughs> Weather's getting nicer, which means more events. Whether it's a wedding or a date, Liberty Shirtco has you covered. They're offering three shirts for $333. Now, this might seem like a lot, but this essentially is less money than you would spend in gas in a month, and the shirts last a lifetime. And don't forget to use promo code 3PEAT at checkout to save 10% on all other orders. That's promo code 3PEAT at checkout. You save 10% when you go to www.LibertyShirtCo.com. Well, hello, everybody. Uh, happy uh, it's a Saturday today and hope everyone enjoyed their St. Patty's Day. We got another episode of the 3P Podcast, Season 5, Episode 9. And uh, once again, I'm your host, Tim Bonazzo, joined with Josh Ramowitz, Alex Castle. And last but not least, good old uh, TJ Hummel. TJ, I just want to shout you out. Thanks for filling in for me last week. You know, school got a little busy, start of spring break. So thanks for taking my spot. Anytime, Stevie. You know, as I always say, school is always the number one priority, and I'm glad you got your stuff done, and I'm always free and available if you ever need me to fill in again. We'll do. Well, you know, I'm almost done. Got about like a month and two weeks, so it's got to get through that, and then I'll be done, and then... Yeah, and then we get to hold hands at graduation. There we go. So, I mean, these past couple of weeks, and just this month, uh, this month, and then even just this week has been nuts. You know, we talk about the term March Madness for basketball, which we'll get to, but it's been March Madness for every sport. I mean, football, free agency, trades, MLB, free agency, spring training. So we're going to get all into that. Hockey. Don't forget hockey. hockey. Can't forget about hockey. Sorry, NHL. Um, Just, you know, the NFL, MLB, March Madness has just taken the reins right now, but there's so much going on in sports. It's good to see. It's good to be a part of. It's good to be a fan of. So you know what? Enough of me talking, giving an intro. Let's get right to it. Um, you know, I it really we could start with anything. I, I think we'll start off with actual March Madness for basketball. You know, it's live right now. It's going on. Uh, I'm sure people filled out their brackets. Mine has been busted um, because UConn sucks. Um, who else? Oh, Iowa blew it. Kentucky blew it. So thank you to those teams. But what do you guys thought so far? The first uh, couple games, the first round of 64, some of the upsets from you're kind of shaking your head. So what do you have to say about it? I mean, this is exactly what March Madness is. This is madness. And if you have a perfect bracket, which no one ever has, then March Madness has been wrong. The whole point is for your brackets to be busted nothing to make sense and for complete chaos. And that's what we've seen so far in March Madness. And I love it. You have a 15 seed in St. Peter. So Sh- Castle shout out uh, Jersey City. I know you were very happy about, about that. Um, upsetting Kentucky. No one had that. And that ruined everyone's brackets. You have um, Iowa, who looked very sharp all in the Big Ten championship against Purdue. They lost. Was that to Richmond? Yeah, they lost to 
Go Spiders, baby. Um, who else? Baylor right now about to lose to North Carolina. There, there's so many. It's craziness. Illinois looked horrible. UCLA looked like they were going to get upset. So a lot of the big teams that everyone had as favorites really haven't looked that impressive. And I love it because I love when what you expect doesn't happen. So expect the unexpected. And that is what March Madness is. No, I totally agree. And that Illinois game really uh, got me frustrated because I picked Chattanooga. I was really high in Chattanooga. I even picked them, I think, to win the game against Illinois and then the winner, you know, in the round of 32 to make it to the Sweet 16 where I ended up having them lose. And they were beating Illinois all game and not by just like a point or two. I mean, they were up, up double digits. Up until like the final like 40 seconds that was the first time Illinois had a lead the whole game. And then blew it. And I was just like, I was, I was really frustrated. And not, I mean, listen, these are just college kids. And I mean, really Chattanooga to go in to March Madness and handle with Illinois, who was co-Big Ten regular season champs is really impressive. So nothing against them. I was just frustrated for my bracket and my picks. But um, but some of these games have been crazy. And so, Castle, you know, what, what have you thought about it? Um, do you think that, like, these small schools almost have nothing to lose and that's why they make these upsets a lot? Or do you think it's just kind of a matter of luck. You know, it's one game. And if it was a series like Kentucky would obviously destroy them in a series. Like, so what do you think, uh, why we were seeing so many upsets? I think with the, well, first with these small schools, I mean, you know, I, I do think they have nothing to lose. You know, they don't have the reputation or the experience as, you know, as opposed to a school like Kentucky. So they're going in. It's like Hartford last year. You know, we make the tournament for the first time. We're like, you know what? We'll just go in. We'll play our best. And whatever happens, happens. And I I don't think, you know, they have anything to lose. And in terms of these schools getting these major upsets, I mean, it's not only what makes March Madness such a special tournament in sports, but it, it you know, it, it, it gives these guys a boost, you know, it gives these guys who might not necessarily have the opportunities to go pro or, you know, this is their really, this is their prime time with the sport in their lives. It, it, it just gives them these special moments and it's not just special for us as fans to watch, but it's special for these guys. I mean, you know, you, you travel with these guys that you play with you're you win, you lose, you, you, you take this whole journey to the season to get up to this point. And then you're, you know, you're a small school, you make it to the tournament and you upset a school like Kentucky, who has a legendary coach, who has a reputation for sending guys to the NBA. That's not something you see every day. So this tournament really does bring out a lot of different aspects. And, you know, as much as it sucks for our brackets to get busted, as a sports fan, it's, it's so enjoyable to watch. And, you know, I'm not a big college sports guy. I'm not specifically a big college basketball guy, but this is easily one of my favorite times of the year for, for sports. It's just, it's just truly incredible to see the storylines that get created in March. I totally agree. And, you know, me being um, a big college uh, sports guy and, you know, I'm more a college football, but man, I do love college basketball and, um, and especially around this time, there's no other time that beats this time. And so, yeah, it is, it is really cool to see. And like you said, it, 
these guys they become a family uh you're always like you said you're, they travel far distances together they're pretty much you know living together on campus um they're always with each other so whether they win or lose they pull off a big upset or they just regardless you know these games mean a lot you could see in the emotions when the guys win or lose um and it's really definitely interesting to see and another thing i want to there's two things i want to uh say and um one is i don't know about you guys but i feel like there's been a there's march madness games especially in these first rounds where there's a lot of games happening at once I feel like there's more later games happening at once than the earlier ones. I feel like before, like when we were in high school and stuff, like all the games would be midday at school and we're trying to check our updates. Now it seems like the games are at like almost 11 o'clock at night. Some of them are starting and I'm like about to pass out before some of these games are over. I don't know if you guys have noticed that too, or just me, but I feel like there's a lot more later games this year than the earlier times. And I don't know, it could just be me, but I feel like, uh, so I don't know if they kind of change that for more people to, so they can watch more of the games when they get out of work than say when they're at work. But uh, I don't know, but I don't, I'm not complaining because it gives me something to do all night instead of the game ending at nine. Now some of them are going right up to like almost midnight. Uh, and then the other one. So with, with Kentucky losing in the, in the first round, and I don't believe they made the tournament last year, you know, coach Cal, he's been, you know, renowned as this, Fantastic coach, his tall fame coach, legendary coach. But lately, it seems like he hasn't been living up to expectations. So I want to ask you guys, do you think he his time is kind of like he had his prime time? And do you think now he's, I guess you could just flat out say it, overrated? Or do you think that, you know, just St. Peter's just played a better game and Somehow he got out coached. I want to get your guys' thoughts on if Coach Cal is still like that elite coach that you know you want to play for, or if he kind of like just had really good players, which made him this elite coach, and now really he's a bit overrated. So, promise, what do you have to think about that? I'll double down and ask you this. Okay. When was his prime? Well, that's a good question. Okay, he won a championship, I think 2015 or 2014, the year they had Anthony Davis, right? That was like 2012. 2012 was the yeah. la- was the only championship he won. 2014 was the last time he made a final four. He is missed he is lost in the first round since more in 2014 than he has uh, elite eight appearances. Kentucky is known as the one and done school. You have this year, Ty Ty Washington about to go into the draft the year before or two years ago, they had Tyrese Maxey, Emmanuel quickly leave last year. Who was the big Kentucky guy that went to Um, Brandon Boston, Brandon Boston. That's right. But you have guys like Anthony Davis in in the league already. Tyler hero, Devin Booker, Carl Anthony towns, John wall, John wall, Eric Bledsoe. All of these big name guys were all one and dones and they had no success. I think Coach Calipari is a great coach, yes. He always seems to lead Kentucky to have great regular season runs, usually very competitive in the SEC. But they fizzle out right as March the March Madness begins. And then he has a brand new team 
So I think in terms of looking at and uh, at Coach Calipari, you got to say he is an excellent recruiter because he always ends up with having a bunch of five-star recruits and always one of the best in the nation in terms of recruiting classes. But on-court performance is pretty horrible. I've watched a few Kentucky games this year where they look very flat. And even in recent years, they, they didn't even make March Madness. And granted, I know Duke didn't last year, UNC, whatever. But this isn't a first-time thing with Kentucky. Duke, at least, has won championships, made deep runs. Same with UNC. Kentucky hasn't had that success, really, since 2014 when they, wanted, when they made the Final Four. And then 2012 was the only time was the only ring that Calipari has. And that was because he had Anthony Davis, who was miles and miles better than everyone. But OK, that's, that's still impressive. and won a national championship. Other than that, like I said, they had Carl Anthony Towns, Devin Booker, John Wall. Well, actually, John Wall was beforehand. Tyler Hero. All of these guys led to nothing and it seems like coach Calipari embraces his team being a one and done program and I know Oscar Shibway transferred so he's not a one and done but Calipari knows he's leaving the program and heading pro uh Ty Ty Washington Wheeler Mince all those guys are not going to be on the team next year and they still have a lot of years of eligibility left so I think Calipari should not be close into the, the same argument you have with all of the elite coaches, I think he's a good coach, not a great coach. That is fair. Um, so, and yeah, cause I did forget, um, cause Kentucky had that undefeated. So they made the championship in 2014 and lost to UConn. And that was with Julius Randle. Um, and then I think the year after they made the, that's when they were undefeated with cat. And then that's when the Badgers, Frank, the tank and Sam Decker beat them um and then they ended up losing to duke wisconsin so but yeah like you so really that was only one title that they won well anthony davis and they bent to the other one loss and then only made the final four and then since then haven't really made a run um so i can agree with you i you know obviously i still think he's one of the better coaches in this league um and like you said i think he's a great recruiter and i think his name helps to get the talent and i mean even back to his memphis days with uh you know d rose like that was impressive you know uh you, you can't deny that so but maybe he maybe he's almost more of like uh i can put he's a great there. he's a great recruiter and i i was seeing a lot of people say that maybe you should consider stepping down as a head coach and focus more on being an athletic director or something like that. So we could focus solely on the recruiting because mm-hmm. look at what he did at UMass, bringing in Marcus Camby, then, yeah. then Memphis, Derek Rose, Kentucky. Look at all these big name guys that he's gotten. But like we've, we've both said now since 2014, there's been no, there's been nothing on the court that really impresses people. Yeah. So who knows? Yeah, maybe he's more of an NBA talent developer than he is 
a good coach that will win championships for his for his program. So, you know, it's something to it's interesting, um, interesting topic to debate and kind of see. And, you know, we'll see within the next couple of years how Kentucky basketball does, because I thought they were back this year and they were. But then that, you know, not only do they have an early exit and say like the Sweet 16, I mean, to lose first round to a school like St. Peter's and no offense to St. Peter's, but I didn't really hear them beforehand. Um, and, you know, some of the lower seeded schools like South Dakota, like, you know, they were getting a lot of hype. They're actually a good school, you know, a good team or um, like I like Chattanooga. They played tough. And, you know, there's some other of these smaller uh, schools that were lower seeds that still are actually good teams. Um, St. Peter's, on the other hand, I just like really did not know much too much about them. And, you know, yet they pulled it off. So we'll have to keep an eye on it. Well, you know, March Madness is going to be going on now for another couple of weeks. So we'll keep updates with it. Um, you know, I'm sure there'll be more upsets. I'm sure there'll be more big news going on with that. So, you know, for the next couple of weeks, we'll cover it through and through until it's over, until there's, you know, one team remaining. But I want to focus on uh, some more offseason moves between the NFL and the MLB. And we'll hop to the NFL first, uh, make it nice and sweet, because uh, I do want to talk a little base, a lot of baseball. But we can't miss these, this news from the NFL because there's some big, big names. When I say big, big names, I mean like some of the top names in the league switching teams. And there's one I especially love as a Bears fan. And then, you know, there's another one where I think kind of shocked a few people. So first, Devontae Adams will no longer be a Green Bay Packer. And I'm sure most of you know that by now. He – uh he got traded to the Las Vegas Raiders to reunite with his college quarterback, his best friend, Derek Carr. Uh, and the Packers got the first two picks, um, the Raiders first round pick and second round pick in this draft. And that's it. So <laughs> I know I'm, I'm loving it. Not only does the Packers lose perhaps besides Rogers, their best player, but they also lose in the best receiver. They lose the best receiver in the game, in my opinion, and now the Packers receiving death is not good. So I'm glad they paid Rodgers all his money to lose Devontae Adams. And then, you know, now Devontae goes to a stacked AFC West. And now the Raiders, you know, they're not a joke anymore. They're kind of, my opinion, showing that, all right, the Chargers can get Mac and J.C. Jackson and, you know, have Herbert. The Chiefs are the Chiefs. Um, am I missing a team? Oh, the Broncos can get Russ. But we're going to get some moves. We're going to make some big moves, too. So what do you guys think of that trade? Castle, I'll let you go first. Listen, it's not something that I expected at all. The mindset with Aaron Rodgers returning and signing that three-year deal with the Packers was that Adams was going to stay. So when I see the headlines that he's going to Vegas, I'm completely shocked. But I love it, you know. That Fresno State connection is coming back into play. I'm a huge Derek Carr fan. And this just makes that offense insane now. You got Adams, Waller, Renfro. You still got a good dual threat running back situation. This makes that division the toughest now in all of football. And I really want to know what went down behind the scenes. Because Green Bay was willing to match Adams' money. So it's very interesting to me that the one guy that Aaron was ready to come back for took the same amount of money somewhere else. Now I know the, 
connection with Carr was uh, was the big factor, but it really makes you wonder, you know, what what Aaron Rodgers could have done in this situation. But I'm very excited to see what what those two can do in Vegas together. Very. Oh excited. yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. And to your point with like what happened in the scenes with the Packers, and I I agree because. Um, and I think it kind of goes to the measures of Aaron Rodgers himself. And I'm not saying this guy's a bad guy, you know, but there's got to be something about him that, you know, maybe he's difficult to play with and be a teammate with. And just like, you know, he may just kind of be a difficult person. I'm not trying to bash the guy because, you know, this is not me being embarrassing or anything at all. I'm just trying to be realistic because look at when Brady came back. You know, Brady one took less money. He's barely making any money this year. And all those guys wanted to come back. You know, Rodgers not only took all the money, but then Devontae Adams, like the Packers, I even saw the Packers willing to pay him a little bit more than the Raiders paid him. And Devontae still said, no, send me to Vegas. So, you know, granted, like you're saying, maybe he just really wanted to play with Derek Carr, you know, like, I was this college quarterback. I'm, you know, they've been best friends for how long now? Um, he grew up in the Bay Area. So, you know, I'm sure he was probably an Oakland fan growing up or, you know, been to Raiders games. So, like, I'm sure that was a big appeal. But, and then, you know, rather live in Vegas and Green Bay, Wisconsin. But still, you know, the like the AFC West is stacked. That's going to be a gauntlet to get out of, not only out of that division, but that conference. The Packers have such an easy path easy path in the NFC, especially the NFC North. So Green Bay was going to be a clear winner in, or, you know, Devontae was going to be a clear winner with Green Bay, but he chose to go the other way. So I think it's got to be something with Rodgers and, you know, not obviously definitely not his play because we know he's one of the top quarterbacks in the league. He's won back-to-back MVPs. I think it's more his personality and just, you know, who he is. Am I, and, you know, that's what I think we don't know for sure, but, Definitely interesting. Uh, Josh, you have something to say about yeah, it? I think we've heard all the talk about Rodgers, how last year in the offseason, he was so unhappy with the staff. It just seemed like all the attention was on Rodgers. Roger Rodgers this, Rodgers that. Rodgers going to hold out, and but then be treated like as royalty. And that might frustrate someone like Devontae Adams. He is proud, like you said, probably the best wide receiver in football. And you don't hear anyone talking about him because Rodgers is getting all the spotlight. But you look at other receivers like Debo Samuel, Cooper Cup, Jamar Chase, they're getting talked about a lot, rightfully so, because of how elite they are. And Devontae Adams should be in that category. But when it comes to the Packers, it is only Aaron Rodgers this, Aaron Rodgers that. He's on the Pat McAfee show, this and that. So I think that might play a, a factor in it as well. No, I definitely agree with that. That's a, you know, that's a good point to bring up. And, you know, there's just a lot, there's a lot of drama surrounding Rodgers and really never anything good. So I think there's a lot of factors that played into it. But at the end of the day, Devontae's a Raider uh, and the Packers, you know, they're going to probably make some sort of free agency, uh, uh, you know, free agency move at receiver or draft. But to be honest, that's fine. And now it's going back into my Bears fan stage. That's fine with me because really they can get a really good one or draft a really good one, but they're not going to be as good as Devontae. They're not going to have that chemistry that Rodgers and Devontae had. So I'm fine with it. 
Now, the other move that I think was almost even more surprising than the Devontae move to a, to a certain extent. Um, I didn't think Devontae was going to get necessarily moved at all. And we knew this guy, Deshaun Watson, was going to get moved. So at first, you know, he listed his teams, the Saints, the Panthers, the Browns, and then the Falcons kind of emerged. And then the Browns were out. Panthers said they're out. And then it was Saints and Falcons. And it was really leaning Falcons, which makes sense. He's a Georgia boy. He was a ball boy for the Falcons. It made perfect sense. And then he comes out and he chooses the Browns, gets traded to the Browns, and then signs a five-year, $230 million, fully guaranteed which I don't think people are realizing that contract, the $230 million is fully guaranteed, which is insane. So now Deshaun Watson is a Cleveland Brown, and that makes that division that much harder with you got Lamar Jackson, Baltimore, Joe Burrow, Joe Shiesty in Cincinnati, Money Mitch, <laughs> the MVP in Pittsburgh. And now you got uh, Deshaun Watson, who, you know, we know he can ball out in this league as a Cleveland Brown. So a couple questions with this, you know, I mean, obviously we're all going to say it's a good move for Cleveland because this makes them automatic contenders, but do we think that Cleveland will actually now be in contention? They, you know, they lost all their receivers, but then they gained Amari Cooper. They still have the two headed running back monster, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. And then we know their defense is good. So were they lacking a QB like Deshaun Watson to make a far run? Um, so promise I'll start off with you. You think, you think this was the right move for the Browns? Absolutely. Look at when they had Odell last year, look at their, look at their weapons that they had. You had OBJ and Jarvis Landry on opposite sides of the field, Najoku and Hooper as your tight ends, Kareem Hunt, Nick Chubb as your running backs and a top five offensive line. And they couldn't be successful because of their quarterback grant. Now you lose your receivers, but you replace one of them with Amari Cooper. And I assume you'll fill that need by signing someone else a free agency and whatnot, but absolutely because their defense is also loaded. You have miles Garrett leading their defense, Denzel Ward and Greg Newsom and everyone else that they have. And I know I'm forgetting guys, the Browns, might be the team to beat in their division. I don't want to say definitely because I don't want to uh, discredit the Bengals with Joe Burrow, so I'm not going to say definitely. But the Browns are going to be some serious threats this year. And, Castle, my question for you is, um, you know, like I was saying, it seemed like – so yesterday he got traded on Friday, and it seemed like, like I said earlier, that – the Falcons emerged as almost a leader, which was making sense. And then the Browns, he chose the Browns. So do you think he chose the Browns because they had the better roster than the Falcons? Or like, what do you think put into it that how he changed his heart of mind um, and chose the Browns over his hometown team? I'm not sure what type of money the Falcons could have offered him. But first of all, I think that contract definitely had a huge factor. I mean, this is a guy who just avoided criminal charges with a suspension still pending. We don't know what's going to happen with that. So the fact that a team threw that much money at him, I definitely think (laughs) was a huge factor. But what I think really sold him was 
what Cleveland's been doing. I mean, yeah, they've been, you know, missing some opportunities in the playoffs, but they're a much better team than the Falcons. I really like Kevin Stefanski as the head coach. He's a really good offensive minded guy. They just got Amari Cooper. They have more of a solid offense. I think that there's more potential for him to take the next step in his career with Cleveland versus the Falcons. And I'm sure it would have been a great reunion for him to go home, but it's his career at the end of the day. And the fact that he's been away from, hasn't stepped on the field in a year, he's had the spotlight on him in a negative, in a negative light. He's got to do whatever he can to bring his career back to where he wants it to be. And I think out of the teams that were talking to him and that he was considering Cleveland is the best shot at that. And I, I totally agree. And I think that's, and to be honest, I think that's is why he, uh, you know, ended up choosing Cleveland because like you were saying, as much as a homecoming and reunion would be awesome. You know, he went from ball boy to now the starting quarterback for his team. Like that's all fun and games. That storyline is nice, but that can only last for so long. And then you want to win, you want to win a Lombardi trophy. And, you know, I think Atlanta is pretty long removed from that. And they, we know the wide receiver room is not good, especially with Calvin Ridley being suspended for this whole year and possibly longer. Um, you know, the offensive line's a bit shaky. So, you know, Cleveland's got a solid, you know, they have a legit number one receiver. They have a solid O line that he'll be protected in, you know, we know he, he moves, he's a great runner, great mobile guy. And then he is a nasty running back. So he's got a f- full team around him in Cleveland and he wouldn't have that in Atlanta or especially Carolina and New Orleans. But the, Cleveland did give up a lot for him. It wasn't like, you know, it wasn't like the Devontae trade where they only gave a couple of picks. I mean, they gave up three first-round picks and a couple other picks. So Cleveland kind of, you know, sent a lot to get him. But they have have not had a lot of success at quarterback. And even Baker, who they thought was their saving grace, see them. I think he's getting – he's not getting enough credit because he really did kind of pull them from – underground and kind of put them back on you know on earth but they still needed he wasn't the guy to take them to the next step and I think Deshaun Watson is going to so that's definitely gonna be fun I mean this this offseason has only been going on now for the new league year technically started a couple days ago and there's been all this news and drama and trades and big moves so I think we're only getting started um you know I think more moves will be made there's more free agencies uh, free agents to be signed and then obviously the draft and then this season is going to be one hell of a season it's going to be a fun season and it's going to be a lot to you know a lot of storylines within the season so that's gonna be fun to watch another another team uh not team well i guess teams but another league that's been really crazy going on it's been fun to watch and it's been great that it's been aligning with football is baseball you know for a while there we we're talking about you know we didn't know if there'd be a season and all this and that not only are we getting a season, but we're getting all these moving at once, and it's been awesome. And for a while, there was a little quiet, even though they said it would be kind of hectic when the uh, the, the agreement was first uh, agreed upon. But now we're starting in into the big moves being made, and a lot of teams are walking out pretty happy. And then there's some teams that are keeping quiet. So Freddie Freeman, no longer a break because the Braves – traded for Matt Olson and then signed him to a mega contract. So where does Freddie Freeman end up? I don't know. Just the Los Angeles Dodgers who have pretty much been making almost every world series for the past couple of years, except for this past year. Um, 
And then the a Dodgers lineup that already features Mookie Betts, Trey Turner, um, Max Muncy, all these other all-stars. So he signs a big deal with uh, the Dodgers. And then out of nowhere, I think it was this morning or late, late last night, this morning came out that Carlos Correa signed a deal to the Minnesota twins. So I want to talk about that one because Freeman, you know, that was a big deal, but we kind of knew that it was between like the Dodgers and then the America East, uh, the AL East, the Yankees, Red Sox, Blue Jays. It seemed like between the Blue Jays and the Dodgers, but he ended up going back home. You know, he's from California. Dodgers ha- don't mind spending. So, you know, as much as some people may hate to see it and be like, what the heck? It's not fair. But I wasn't shocked when it happened, but the Correa move to the twins really shocked me. So from it's, you know, one, you know, were you shocked like everyone else? And do you think, does this move make sense for both sides? Like, what do you take from it? Absolutely. I was shocked. I didn't see Minnesota be uh, in the mix for Correa, but I mean, it makes sense because when we traded uh, Gio Urshela and Gary Sanchez to them, they gave us uh Isaiah Kiner-Falefa and Josh Donaldson. So they are weak on their uh, left side of the infield. So signing Correa definitely makes sense. Three years, $105 million, though. I believe he's now the third or fourth highest paid player in MLB history with that contract. So that's a lot, that's a lot of money. But it, it makes sense. Correa is a sensational talent. And now that he's out of Houston and not hiding behind all of the cheating scandal, Jose Altuve, everything that went on in Houston, he's going to be able to have this team as his team and show everyone that he's truly like one of the best players in the league. So it makes sense. I get it. And there is a lot of opt um, opt outs in this contract. I think there's an opt out after the first year. So say if this year like the Twins don't do well and he doesn't like playing in Minnesota, he can become a free he can opt out of this contract and become a free agent next year, and then sign a mega deal with another team. So there is that, and I just you know it it makes me wonder for the Yankees, like why couldn't we sign him to a deal like that, or like a like a Freddie Freeman like. I don't mind having a stopgap shortstop until, you know, Volpe and all these other guys come up because that's fine by me. You know, I don't mind Isaiah Connor Falefa if you want to have him, but then to not sign Freeman or if you're going to keep Rizzo, then get a legit, you know, shortstop or especially Correa. Like, listen, if you don't want to give Correa 10 years, 300 million, I understand. But why can't you do like a three-year 105 million with all these opt-outs? So then if it doesn't work, then you can get rid of him and he's off the books. Or if it does work, it's only for a couple of years. And then you can have your guy come up. And so, Castle, I want to, you know, talk with you about the Yankees now. Because the Yankees, what they're doing is not making sense. And all these other teams that were already, I think, better than the Yankees keep getting better. And then the Yankees, I think, they think that they're a championship caliber team. And let's be honest, they're not. They'll win games. They'll make the playoffs but they're not a world series team. They haven't been a world series team yet. They're not a world series team this year. We don't have a starting catcher. You know, they think Donaldson's the answer, 
He's not. He's 36 years old. He's injury prone. He doesn't hit for average. It doesn't, that's not what we need. So Castle, you know, I, what, what do you, why do you think the Yankees are so content and where they are? And why do you think they think that they're winners? And really you look at the blue Jays, they're loading up. You look at the Dodgers, they're already, they've already been a powerhouse. And then they just got Freddie Freeman, not only probably the best first baseman in the league, but he's an MVP. He's a world series champ. So I'm like speechless right now because they're irritating me. So take over, please. You know, I I feel like the Yankees have this history of instead of spreading the wealth and making a couple of good moves here and there, they go after one big name, one big fish that they think is going to solve all of their problems. Now, Donaldson, like you pointed out, injury prone, doesn't hit for average. And let's also not forget the fact that he's got his issues with Cole. So why are you bringing a guy who not only is going to cost you a lot of money and might not even play the full season, but he has a history of issues with your ace. I don't know what Cashman's thought process was, but our initial goal should have been to have gone after Freeman. And now he's with a team that, like you said, World Series appearances nonstop. Now he's setting himself up for more success. We missed out on getting Olsen. Like, I, I, I don't know what Cashman's thinking. Maybe he thinks, you know, we just need a guy here and there. And, you know, Aaron Judge is the answer. But that's not the case. The wealth needs to be spread around if we want to be a World Series team. And... Maybe there's more stuff to it that we're not seeing behind the scenes. Maybe there's some names in the farm system that are going to come up out of nowhere. Who knows? But it's been too quiet of an offseason for the Yankees, for sure. And I don't think all of our problems have been solved. I saw, I forgot who shared it, but there was something today about, you know, stories still being in the mix for the Yankees. That's something that I think would be beneficial. That's, If Cashman can pull the trigger on that move, then all hope is not lost. That's getting another guy that's spreading the wealth. That's what the Yankees need to do. We're not in a position where we can get one or two big names and that patches up, patches up things. We're not that team anymore. And I think, you know, Cashman's living in the past a little bit and it's not just baseball, but you need to evolve with the game. And I think that's the biggest issue is our management is not evolving with the game. I totally agree. I think what you said was spot on. Um, and I would love a story like a quick deal. Again, I, again, I'm not saying that they need, I agree with like, they're really high on Volpe and their other, you know, um, prospects of that position and they, they want to get their homegrown guys. And I get that, you know? So fine. If you don't want to, cause Olsen, I saw, I wanted him, but I saw what the Braves gave up. They would have had to give up Volpe Dominguez. I don't want to give up those guys. That's fine. But when Freeman's there for the taking, you just, He's got to pay him money. He, you know, and he's a legit talent. It's not like he had two good years. I mean, this dude is one of the best players in the game. And then you just let him walk right on over. You know, if he, either he was going to choose to play for one of our rivals or the Dodgers who are already a powerhouse, like I said. You know, so at least they re-signed Rizzo. But then, like, some of these other moves, it's just like, but then they're willing to take on Donaldson's cap hit. And, listen, it's not like Donaldson of – couple years ago because then I would have been like fine you know he's great 
but he's older now. He's not the same player he used to be. And the worst part about it is how they they still just call themselves championship caliber and how hell can sit back and be content with this. You know, he's saying that COVID had a big hit on these bigger markets and, you know, with everything, with no fans and all that. Then how come the Mets are spending all this money to get Scherzer, Starling Marte, Mark Hanna, they got Lindor last year. You know, they're probably going to pay DeGrom. And then how come the Dodgers keep making these moves? Like Freeman, you know, they traded for Max Scherzer. Obviously, they didn't re-sign him, but still, you know, Kershaw all these years. Um, Mookie Betts. Trey Turner now, I probably already said him. But, like, there's big market teams that are not sitting back and being quiet. You know, you're not a small market team. You're the New York Yankees. You, you were like the... You're like one of the most richest, have the most revenue out of all franchises and out of all sports. You're worth over $5 billion. Don't cry poor to me with the threshold and this and no fans and that. The New York Yankees, you know, I mean, I think George would be sick to his stomach right now if he's seeing what is happening. He'd be like, give me this player, give me that player. And I feel like we've been having the same conversation for quite a while now, but you know what? It's true because Hal wants to be... You know, I thought Cashman, some of the moves he's made in the past were good, but lately, you know, his moves are not making sense. And then Hal's just like, he's not helping Cashman out. He's not helping himself out because he's not giving them the resources. Like, in case, like you said, they'll go after that one big guy. Well, we needed a Garrett Cole. We needed a true ace a couple years ago. So I would hope you got a Garrett Cole. You know, and then even Judge, you want, you know, all your homegrown guys. How come the negotiations have not been started you should have a deal you know he made it clear he'd like a deal before the season he's not the type of guy to sit out and you know complain the whole season is going to play but he wants you know he said he preferred negotiations and a deal to happen before opening day and Hal said that's going to happen let's see if he's true to his word promise i don't know if you have anything else because i've been you know i've been kind of going on a tear on them but you know what they deserve they need to be waking up a little bit because i'll say this the Blue Jays are the favorites to the, win the AL East. We know the Rays, half the time we look at the roster, and like, I don't know, maybe they're an 80-win team, then they end up winning 100 games. And then the Red Sox, you know, I one year they could be good, and then one year they could be bad, so who knows. But as of now, the Yankees seem like a third-place team in that division. And compared to these other teams that have been making moves, I don't see them as a favorite to win anything. And even, you know, last year they only made the ALDS. Year before, they lost in the ALCS. And then the year before that, they made the ALDS. So, and then no World Series appearances in this whole decade. So, I don't know what they think. There's some special roster or some championship team because newsflash, they're not. It, I'm speechless because we are so accustomed to the Yankees being the almighty Yankees. But lately, it's just been pathetic. It's starting to look like even the Mets are the team of New York right now with the moves they're making. The Yankees just haven't done anything. The Mets now have a pitching rotation of Scherzer and DeGrom and then other guys that are also very solid. Chris Bassett they brought in, who was an ace in Oakland. They have hitting it. Pete Alonzo, Lindor. They... It's, a, it's very frustrating to see because 
Yankees are all of our teams. It's the one team that we all agree on. And for it to look as close as it does with how the Giants have been, been in recent years and the Jets and all our other teams, Yankees were always that one team that we relied on as to be the playoff team. And they haven't been that. And when you're not that team, you need to make moves. The team that you have currently clearly isn't a championship team. So why aren't you making moves to improve that roster? It's beyond me. Yeah, I just, I don't get it. And every time I talk about it, whether it's with you guys or my, you know, brother and friends that are Yankees fans, it's just, it's so frustrating. And I mean, again, it's not like we've won a few World Series titles. We won 27. I don't care if it's from the 1940s or the 90s or whatever. They still won 27 World Championships. You can't deny that. You're still the New York Yankees. You're still worth over $5 billion. You're still, you know, I mean, you're one of the few franchises that you can go anywhere in the world and people would recognize that logo and the team. They may not know certain all the players and all that, blah, blah, blah. But you know the Yankees logo and you see Yankees merchandise everywhere. And, you know, and for a team like the Blue Jays, in your division, your rival, we're making big moves to get a guy like Matt Chapman, one of the best third basemen in the league. You know, they, they re-signed Berrios, a great pitcher in this league. They went out, got Guzman. You know, they already have Ryu. You know, they have Vladdy, Bichette. Like, they have a young team, and then they put pieces around him because they know that this is their time to win. And, you know, I, I and the Yankees are just sitting back, and they're making moves, but they just don't make sense. So I hope the, you know, I hope Brian Cashman and Hal are listening because you guys need a, you guys need a, I don't even know what to say with the term I'm blanking, but you need to be woken up a little bit because you guys haven't won squat lately and you're not going to win anytime soon with this roster. So you better make some moves or else, you know, fans are fed up already and pretty soon the players can be fed up and forget about it. But let's this let's maybe calm back down, or maybe I should calm back down. You guys are calm. I'm I'm not calm. And I, let's before we wrap it up, I do want to talk a little bit of hockey. The trade deadline. Um, TJ, I'm gonna let you take over for this because this is more your uh, strong suit. So, what are some of the moves being made? Are there a few guys that uh, could be moved to? And when is the trade deadline officially? I believe the trade deadline is Tuesday. Tuesday. All right. So it's coming up and either Monday or Tuesday. I saw, I saw the, uh, Brendan Hagel, Hagel. Yeah. Brendan Hagel got traded to the lightning. Yeah. I'm that seemed like a really good move for the lightning. Um, yeah, there's, there's that move. I'm going to look up the, the logistics of it, but there's one, one rumor that it's not a rumor, uh, earlier this season, Jake DeBrusque on the Bruins, he made it public that he wanted to trade out of Boston and that took a lot of people by storm because everyone loves him in Boston, even though like he's had his ups and downs, but since his demand for a trade, he's just only upped his game and the latest, uh, the latest around the rumor mill with him is that Boston's going to keep him around go for a Stanley Cup run because that's what they're doing. And they uh, they might trade him 
in the off season, which I could see happening quite really. I can see that happening realistically, but the, uh, the logistics of the Hagel trade with the lightning. So the Blackhawks traded Hagel to the lightning for first round picks in 2023 and 2024, uh, Boris catch Boris Kachuk and Taylor Radish. So the, uh, the, Blackhawks got a few prospects in return, which will help them bolster their lineup so they can maybe get back to that competitiveness that I alluded to with uh, my social media post about Joe Quenville being one of the greatest coaches of all time. And um, I think we will pre pre show, we were talking about uh, one of the big names that a lot of people may or may not know, just being hockey fans, is Claude Drew, the longtime captain and center for the Philadelphia Flyers it's come out that uh, he will most likely be traded before the deadline and they've like begun their like farewells with him and stuff like that and he there was four teams that were interested in him two of our two of our teams that two of us like here on the or three of us like here on the podcast is uh, the Bruins and the Rangers and then the Panthers, and I forgot the fourth team, but he already had mixed the idea of going to both the Bruins or the Rangers, which from was a, you're, you're okay with because of his age and such, but I think it would have been a good move on the Bruins part if they could have pulled it off because DeBrusque would have, they would have included DeBrusque in the trade and the Bruins could have gotten a second line center that they've needed and stuff like that. So it'll be interesting to see where he goes. It'll be interesting to see how active Don Sweeney, the Bruins GM is around the deadline. See if they finally ship the brusque, if they keep them, if they can add anybody that can bolster their defense, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, from, I don't know if you have anything to say about the Rangers, if they have any trade deadline rumors, but that's it on my end about the Bruins. Uh, I mean, it doesn't sound like there's many trades going on this year as opposed to other years. Cause I guess we're, we've been so accustomed to someone like Jack Eichel being on the rumor mill, but now he's obviously not. The Rangers did make a move and they recently acquired, um, I believe it was from Florida, Frank Vetrano. So we get a, a center in return. I believe he was in the Bruins organization for a little bit. If I'm not mistaken, TJ. Oh, yeah, he, he, he started with us, I believe. And then I'm pretty sure he was with the Rangers for a little bit after he was with the Bruins. And then he went around and to a few different teams and now he's back with the Rangers, which is nice to see. He kind of came yeah. back. He's a young, well, somewhat young forward goal scorer that just helps take the pressure off our front lines, Chris Kreider, Mika Panarin, those guys. So that'll be good to see, especially with the Rangers sitting pretty in a playoff position. Hey, you guys are one of the top seeds, right? I believe third or fourth right now. Yeah. Nice. With the, I Bruins, know. With the Bruins, like right on our tail. And I know the Panthers too, already like what the best team in the East um, they got Ben Chariot from the Canadians, really good. So, you know, the, the Panthers seem like they're no joke. They made a lot of moves in the offseason. They made, you know, now this big move, um, 
they're, they're winning now. And so I know, uh, TJ, you got some more to say about that? Yeah, just to kind of go off of Ron's statement about being right on the tail. With last night's win, uh, the Bruins are now tied on points with the Rangers. Tied Ooh. at 81 apiece. The Rangers still have a, they have a game in hand, but this is kind of what we were hoping for at the start of the season, wasn't it, buddy? Yeah, with that, yep, yep, there it is. So, I mean, that's yeah. awesome. That's awesome to see. Both of our teams are coming down to who is going to either clinch a division spot or clinch a wild card. So that'll be fun. It'll be fun to watch for the two of us. There'll be a lot of smack talk going back and forth, but it's always all in good fun. Oh, yeah. And it'll be fun uh, to see how it finishes up at the the regular season and then playoffs. And, you know, because the time's coming, it's crunch time now. So both teams better tighten their skates up and uh, see who, which one's a better one. So, I mean, this was a great episode. There was a lot to talk about. Um, unfortunately we can't stay on forever because we got stuff to do, you know, work to uh, do parties to go to, you know, springs on our way. So I got to get outside and shoot some hoops soon. So, but we'll be back. We'll be back next week. So make sure to tune in, but before we do wrap up a few shout outs. So first TJ, Thanks again for uh, filling in last week. Thanks again for handling our social media. You're doing a phenomenal job, so keep it up. Thank you. Thank you. It's always appreciated. Of course, you got it. And then, you know, a few uh, shout-outs. Liberty Shirt Co., want to thank them. You know, they make everyone look good on TV. They make us look good. So, hey, please buy their products. You want to look good? You want to look sharp? Get their products and then... Uh, shout out to Kevin and Wild Chat Sports. You know, again, they put out great content. They're great partners to be uh, worked with. So we're so uh, glad to be partnered with them. And then we want to shout out our new partnership with OP Sports Betting and, uh, you know, launching a new crypto site in the spring and the uh, sports betting site. So stay tuned for that. And if you want to stay in the loop with them, obviously we'll be posting our, you know, uh, partnership with them but if you want to follow their actual page they have an instagram and a twitter at opossum that's o-p-p-s-u-m underscore possum p-o-s-s-e-m n-f-t and the o in opossum is capitalized and nft is all capitalized so make sure to uh check in with them see what they're doing and uh obviously as they're starting to expand and grow and with us too and you know, it's going to be an exciting time. So glad to be partners with them. So yeah, and that's it. Enjoy. I uh, hope everyone's enjoying the warmer weather. Can't wait for it to stay and we'll see everyone next week.